It's 12.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. An abbreviated program today, uh, Brewers Baseball. It's game three of the series between Arizona and the Brewers. I think our coverage starts shortly after 2 o'clock this afternoon, so only a two-hour program today. And just a quick programming note, um, I, I'm off tomorrow and Friday attending to some personal business. I will be back on Monday. All right, let us get started. Let me kind of back into this topic. I went to college. Long story, but I went to college at the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, South Dakota. Vermilion, South Dakota, and again, it's a kind of a long story how a kid from Milwaukee ends up out there for college, but it was an interesting three and a half years, and um, it's it's a small town. I think the back when I was there, maybe the town was maybe 10,000, maybe a little bit less when school was in session, a lot less than that when school wasn't. Vermilion, South Dakota is in the extreme southeast corner of South Dakota. You drive um, through Minnesota, you get to Sioux Falls, you turn left, you go south about 60 miles, and there's Vermilion. It's in this. It's in the corner. You're right by Nebraska. You're right by Sioux City, Iowa. So in Vermilion, South Dakota. Um, I, and, and it was a very, very small town no no question about it there was i think it might have been my freshman year that they decided that they were going to open now i said this morning when i was telling the story i said they were opening a dairy queen it i it was either a dairy queen or a taco john's which was at the time kind of like the equivalent of taco bell all right but it's either a dairy queen i'm going to say it's a dairy queen but it could have been a taco john's My, my memory is kind of cloud it was a long time ago and for the grand opening of the Dairy Queen, you had every dignitary from like a 50-mile radius that came. Now, the governor wasn't there. The congressman and senator weren't there. But you had mayors from surrounding community. You, you had, I mean, it was a big deal. They had a ribbon-cutting thing for the opening of the Dairy Queen. So here's, a, so here's the, this kid from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who's just sitting there thinking, it's a Dairy Queen. I mean, I, I look, don't get me wrong. I like Dairy Queens as well as the next guy. I mean, you know, give me a blizzard anytime. But okay, but it, it's it's a Dairy Queen. And I mean, we're, we're literally, I'm not making this up. The band from the local high school was there. You've got the ribbon cut. We've got a Dairy Queen. Okay. So, I mean, again, and I ended up going to the Dairy Queen. That, that, that was fine. But I remember, and this is this guy from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm from the big city. And I'm just kind of shaking my head saying, Okay, it's a Dairy Queen. All right. Okay. So I was thinking about that as somebody two days ago was talking to me about what we have going on now, which is um, Ikea. Now, uh, today, of course, is the grand opening of the Ikea store down in Oak Creek. Um, Ikea is, well, it's, it's sort of, it's a, it's a Scandinavian furniture store is what it essentially is, and, and you assemble the furniture. Okay, so it's – and this is the 48th store. People, uh, uh, Ikea is kind of like a cult. People who are into it are really into it. One of the biggest Ikea stores in the country is in Schaumburg, Illinois, and that attracts people. They, they come from all over to do it. So you've got the, the furniture store that's there, and you can walk through the giant facility, and you can see how they have rooms set up with the different furniture. And they've got a restaurant that serves Swedish meatballs and things like that. And, and you know, you're going to see, if you turn on the television or listen to the radio news, you're going to just see all the stuff that went on today. People, as you heard on our reports, were, were getting up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning to drive to the Ikea, to stand in line at 5 a.m. so the thing would open at, at 8 a.m. so they could be in there. Now, I, I again, I, I've never been to an Ikea, and candidly, Scandinavian furniture isn't necessarily my taste, but but I, I, I get it that it's... I get it that it's it's a wonderful store. It's a great thing on for the region, and, and hopefully, it will attract perhaps other similar sorts of of stores there to that area. So, I mean, I I think it's it's super, especially if it's able to develop this cult following. But just as I was thinking the other day about how. Decades and decades ago, I'm standing in Vermilion, South Dakota, and watching the high school band play as they opened the Dairy Queen. I, I, I had a friend of mine who was from Chicago who had been listening to the hype about Ikea, who said to me, Jeff, what is going on in Wisconsin? 
it, it's a furniture store. Now, admittedly, a nice furniture store that has all this stuff. But if people lost their minds, I mean, it's it's a furniture store. And I did kind of harken back to, again, that, that day in 1970, whatever it is, as I'm standing there watching the high school band play as they're opening the Dairy Queen in Vermilion, South Dakota. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is great that the store is opened. I think it is fascinating that there is this interest in there. I think if people want to get up and wait in line to get in at, at starting at five o'clock in the morning, I, I go with God. That, that's great. If, if that's you know what you want to do, you know, part of it is probably just kind of the experience of getting in there. But let, let's tee this up. Is this is this really going to be the the kind of game changer that it is being billed as, or is this overhyped? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right, great to have this store here, especially given all the stuff that's going on with retail, where you hear so many different retail outlets and stores that are closing, and malls that are struggling, and things like that. I mean, obviously, anything that can bring out shoppers is a great sort of thing. But is this being overhyped, or is IKEA something special? Is it in fact worth the hype that it's getting? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. And if you were one of the people that was in line starting at five o'clock this morning, I'd be particularly interested in talking to you. But do you get all this hype, or is this again? It's a nice store, wonderful to have it here. But are we overhyping IKEA? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. We discuss in a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. Twelve fifteen. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, the lead story on all the newscasts today is either going to be the downtown fire, we'll talk about that in just a minute, or it's going to be the opening of the IKEA store in Oak Creek. Is this being overhyped? Is this like, hey, opening a Dairy Queen in a small Wisconsin or South Dakota town? Tracy in Delafield. Tracy, you're first. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? It is way overhyped. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've been to the one in Illinois, I believe it's in Bolingbrook area, and, you know, it was interesting to walk through one time. Wouldn't have a desire to go back through it again. It's, you know, and the Steinhoffels has, like, cookies and, and coffee and a play area for kids, okay? So Ikea has meatballs and a play area for kids. It, 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 it's great for Oak Creek, but right. I think they're way overkilling, and to get up at two or three in the morning to stand in line, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you just, you, you just, you just, you just don't get. To, all right, well, let me ask you this, Tracy. I mean, you know, were, were you one of back when Black Friday was still Black Friday? Were you one of the people that would get up at two or three in the morning to line up outside the big box retail store to get the, I don't know, fifteen dollars off on the Blu-ray disc player? I did that one time when they used to give you free gift cards, and I thought, you know what, wasn't worth a gift card. Would never have done that again either. <laughs> yeah. Well, me, okay, thanks, thanks for me, me. Well, me, me, you know, me neither. I mean, me neither. But I understand. I freely acknowledge. I, I am not a shopper, and I'm getting these texts saying, "Well, it's more than just a furniture store. It's got, you know, homewares as well." Right. I mean, it's right. I mean, Bed Bath and Beyond. You know, you take Bed Bath and Beyond and kind of crate and barrel, and you you roll it together, and then then you have what you have. And I again, I. I appreciate that there's sort of like a cult-like following, and I think it's great. If this brings people, you know, from northern Illinois or from around the state to come into, you know, Milwaukee County to shop, uh, that, that's great. But it, is it being overhyped? George in Chicago. George, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. As I was telling your screener, IKEA is kind of following in the footsteps of the Cabela's of the world. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of them, and it's a destination. It's a place to go. Um, you know, you, you can't, uh, it, it, it's something to do. And it's also developing the interstate between, you know, Racine or Milwaukee and Kenosha. You've got Foxconn, you've got other things, you've got Amazon, you've got mm-hmm. Uline. So it's actually building that infrastructure between those two. When you so, say there's, when you say there's, it's, it's some place to go and something to do. What, 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 what do you mean? I mean, besides, I mean, it, it, it's a store. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a unique experience, right? Okay. It's like Cabela's. Cabela's. It's a, it, you know, you don't find them in every state. Right. Uh, and it, it, it's a big deal. Now, hopefully a psychologist will call in and explain to you why people would show up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> I can't do that. Right. But, right. you know, it, 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 it's, um, 
it's a brand that is explained as what it what it is. Now, granted, there's other furniture stores out there, but in today's economy and with millennials and so on and so forth, you know, they're not looking for that six thousand dollar bedroom set. Right. You know, they might be looking for something lower key, especially when there's more apartment living than people buying homes, as you see it in what's going on with the economy. So, you know, I'm just wondering if southeastern Wisconsin has enough of a population to maintain it. Well, that'll be the interesting thing. Now, thanks for calling. I mean, and actually, I think what they're hoping for is they're hoping that the clientele, the customers, don't just come from southeastern Wisconsin. I mean, I think the hope is that this is going to attract people from the Fox River Valley and from the Chicago area and from, you know, Madison and beyond. I think what they're hoping is that this does become that place to go, like you're talking about, because it's an event. We're here. You know, we're going to spend Saturday. We're going to drive, you know, to Oak Creek and check out the IKEA. And and if that works, it's going to be great. I'm just saying I don't I don't get it myself, but I freely acknowledge that I'm I'm not a shopper, but I sure hope it works. Jim and Franklin. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. I think what it does is it brings kind of a European experience to America. I mean, I've traveled abroad, and when I go to Switzerland or the U.K., I find the products that they have there interesting and unique that we, we don't necessarily see here. Mm-hmm. And I think what that what IKEA does is it does the same thing, where it brings unique European type style products to America, and that's why it's so interesting to people. Now maybe it's just a one off and you leave it. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going. That's that was going to be my question. Is it is it like so many things? You know, you go, you kind of check it out and say, oh, okay, that that's super, but it doesn't it doesn't bring you back for for more yeah. stuff. I hope it does, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we uh, could use that kind of development around here. I mean, things are popping, and I think they'll be part of it. But my, my concern is that you don't have the density of population that you do down in Schaumburg. Right. Well, and, of course, and that, again, that's why I think, I think the hope is that this won't just be something that people in Racine and Kenosha and Milwaukee County shop at. The hope is people will drive from the Fox River Valley or, you know, da- down here or drive from Madison because of that sort of experience. And I guess they, they do a lot of research. I mean, they've only opened up 48 stores, so obviously they think it's going to be a winner. I guess time will, only t- will tell about that. Right. Yeah, Thank I mean, you. Thanks for calling. No, I appreciate it. Um, I, I Look, I, I want everybody to understand. I, I wish this well. I'm, I'm especially given... The nature of retail and, you know, how many stories do we have on a regular basis about retail, you know, struggling and the Boston stores closing and this store closing and that store closing for a variety of reasons. Toys R Us, you know, out of business, all these different types of things. So, you know, if, if you can have an alternative, that's great. Um, I, I'm going to be curious to see how this all plays out. Um, will this be sustainable? Over the last you know few years now, I mean, like let's let me give you another example. When Chick Fil A, remember Chick Fil A? When Chick Fil A came to Brookfield, there were there were people that were lined up for two hours to get you know a, a sandwich, and the question was, was that going to be sustainable? And you know that you don't line up for two hours nowadays to get a sandwich, but you go past that Chick Fil A in Brookfield off of Capitol Drive, and there's always you know cars that are doing it. They they found something that's successful. Maybe IKEA will find the same sort of thing, or. You know, maybe it'll turn out to be like that Dairy Queen in that small South Dakota town. Hopefully for the area, IKEA is the next Cabela's, 1224. When we come back, all right, you think you've got problems with your spouse? Wait till you hear the story I tell you. Stick around. It's 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Who's producing the show today and always. Do you, um, you, do you follow the PGA Golf Tour at all? Just for the Masters and stuff. Okay. There is a PGA golfer. His name is Lucas Glover. Um, Lucas Glover, I, I mean, it, it's not Tiger Woods, but the guy's a PGA golfer. I mean, he makes a living on the golf tour. Here is the deal. PGA, here's the headline. PGA golfer Lucas Glover's wife, Krista, arrested for allegedly attacking him and his mother. All right, so this is last weekend. Um He's playing at the uh, Players' Championship, big-time tournament. It's just one step below one of the majors. He's playing at the PGA Tournament in Florida. He has a bad day on Saturday. He shoots a 78. Now, 78 for somebody like me, that's a great score. 78, and I'm 
Well, I, I'm probably cheating. But, you know, 78 for a professional golfer is a lousy score, okay? So apparently what happened is he, he goes he, he goes back to the hotel or wherever he's staying, and his mom is there. It's Mother's Day weekend. And um, Krista, that's, that's the wife, and she's an attractive blonde, goes nuts. He apparently tells deputies how when he plays a bad round of golf, Krista proceeds to start an altercation with him, telling him how he is a loser and a wuss, although she doesn't use the word wuss, how he needs to fire everyone and how he'd better win or her and the kids will leave him and he'd never see the kids again. Hey, you had a bad day. That show you did, Jeff, really was crummy. I'm gonna, You better pick it up or I'm leaving you and I'm taking the kids. Okay, so this... I mean, think you got a problem with your spouse? Okay, I mean, imagine this. So ending up, what happens is, um, so she's screaming at him. He's had the bad day at the office. He shot the bad round. She's screaming at him, I'm leaving you, etc. His mom is there. So his mom apparently, like, gets in and says, knock it off. I mean, stop, stop this. At which time, she starts attacking the mother. And starts clawing and scratching at the mother. The mother is like bleeding. Her clothing is ripped. They call the police. Um, one of the, uh, the, the mother says she's been hit in the chest. She's bleeding. Um, so the cops come. They haul off this banshee of a wife. They pull her into the squad car. And according to the police report, um, she's in the back of the patrol car. She's kicking at the door trying to kick out the window of the squad car as she's being put in. Wait till the PGA Tour hears about this. She screams at the cops. You're going to lose your job. This is why cops get shot in the face. Wait till I talk with the judge. You will be blanking fired over this. Although she doesn't say blanking. So then they <laughs> end up hauling her hauling her off. Um, she was released. She spent the night in the jug down in, in Saturday. Uh, she spent the night in the county jail, um, had to post $2,500 bond. She faces a May 31st court date. Um, let's see. The, uh, the husband sends out something on Twitter. This is saying, regrettably, you know, she was charged. Um, we'll be comfortable. The judicial system is able to address what actually happened, and she will be cleared in this private matter. <laughs> if I were, if I were Lucas Glover, <laughs> first of all, I wouldn't have posted the bail. I think this might be, you know, here let's let her sit and cool out there for a while. So, in any event, you think you're married to the husband or the wife from you know where? Oh no, 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 no! You got nothing on this chick. Nothing on her at all. It is 12.30. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Eric Bilstead. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you shot us. I mean, it's like you're, you you come home, you know, and your wife says, Eric, I listened to that show today. You did a lousy job. I can't. I, you got to pick it up or I'm leaving you and I'm taking the kids. And then your mom says, hey, like dial it down. And then then she attacks your mother. I can't even fathom. <laughs> I'm sorry. For the WTMJ Breaking News Center, here's Eric Bilstead. It's 1237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Brewers Baseball, coming up a little bit out after 2 o'clock. And you can tell, this is sort of an eclectic kind of program uh, covering a lot of stuff. All right, here here's the deal. We have, in the past, talked about issues with regard to student lunches and the, the, the situation involving what, what do you do if mom or dad doesn't put the money in the kid's account and the kid shows up, do you just give them the lunch? Or, or they, they call it lunch shaming. There's a lot of pressure saying, well, you, you can't, you know, you, you have to, you, have, you should give the kid the lunch and just we'll worry about how you're going to collect the money otherwise. Well, that, that's all well and good, but it does become a, an issue when kids don't pay money that's owed. Now, this controversy doesn't involve school lunches, but it involves uncollected fees at I don't want to say every, but at most schools, there are various activity fees that you have to pay to to participate. Um, most schools have, for example, a student activity fee that you got to pay at the beginning of the year. Many, many school districts have fees that you have to pay um, if you want to participate in athletics to help underwrite the cost and you know maybe it's forty dollars maybe it's fifty I don't know I mean it's going to vary but you have fees that are expected to be paid and what the schools will often do 
is they will allow the kids to participate in the activity even if the fee hasn't been made for precisely the same reason that they, you know, they give the kids the lunches even though there's not money in the account. It's like, okay, we want to let the kid participate in it. We'll figure out a way to collect the fees. But the fees need to be paid. All right, now maybe you can argue that, you know, school districts, you know, shouldn't have to charge the kids fees and they you know, shouldn't have to pay a fee if you want to participate in extracurricular activities and you want to be in the band or you want to be on the debate team or you want to be on the basketball team, what, you know, whatever. That you, you can make that argument, but that's not the way the world works now. There are these different fees that have to be paid. So what happens if the kid participates in the activity but then doesn't pay the fee? So now... You're talking about a high school student. They have completed their four years of high school. They are ready to graduate, and now they still owe money. How do you collect that money? Or do you just essentially, like, write it off? Well, here's what's going on in in Waukesha, the Waukesha School District. And in particular, we're talking about Waukesha South and Waukesha North. Um, They are... They are now starting to enforce a policy that they've had on the books, but they haven't enforced in the past, which says that if you owe money, if you have unpaid fees, you may, it's in the discretion of the high school principal, you may not be allowed to walk at graduation. They're not going to, the way I understand it, they're not going to withhold diplomas They're not going to say that you can't graduate, but if you want to walk across the stage, you know, participate in that fashion, your fees have to be paid. Now, get this. According to the Waukesha School District, they estimate that one out of every four, approximately 25% of seniors, have passed due fees, have passed due fees. And this story, it came from Channel 58. They say, for example, they find a a mom at a Waukesha South School who says, hey, our family got one of these letters. We have a balance due of over $500. So trying to come up with the $500, that's tough for us. You know, and we think it's unfair and we think it's discriminatory. Um, You know, they estimate that um, there's about $40,000. Forty thousand dollars in unpaid fees that are out there, and of course, once the kids graduate and they're gone, you know that's probably going to be effectively uncollectible. All right, here's one of the people who's upset about this. It's class warfare. It's one hundred percent class warfare. This rule is callous. They could have a huge bill for even one school year, and so if that accrues, maybe the family has multiple kids or is not in a position to keep up every single year. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this unreasonable? School's got these fees that people have accumulated over the years. The kids are getting ready to graduate. They are trying to put some pressure on to try to get the money that they are owed, recognizing that once the kids are out of the school system, they've got no chance to do it at all. Is it unreasonable to say These fees have to be paid before you can, quote, unquote, walk at graduation. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, is no. At the risk of being labeled one of these, you know, hard-hearted conservatives and all, other people are paying these fees. Look, three-quarters of the families in the system are figuring out a way to pay what their kids owe. And in some of the classes, they, you know, for some low-income kids, they waive it and all. But at, at some point in time, you know, if you're going to participate in these things, what's fair is fair. And if you let people just blow off the the fees, well, then nobody's going to end up paying the fees. So I don't think this is unreasonable because the bottom line is, if you don't put pressure on some of the parents to pay this that is legitimately owed, well, then nobody's going to pay it. And then the taxpayers of Waukesha, you senior citizens living in your house on fixed income, you're going to have to pick up the tab. And how fair is that? 414-799-1620. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. 143, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Kim starts us off on the text line. I think they should hold the diploma. Pay what you owe. I'm sure they have cable and have their nails done. Geez. And hold their transcripts. My daughters were held for a library fine. Guess what? She needed the transcript. She paid the fine. Voila. Real life. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Russ in Waukesha. Hi, Russ. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, is this this terrible discriminatory policy by school districts out in Waukesha? Well, yeah, it discriminates all against crooks, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if if you need help with a program during the year or during that year, there are plenty of of, um, assistance programs that will help you pay those fees along the way. So you don't have this surprising $500 fee at the end. I had two of my three kids go to South Campus, and we got uh, the late last one. We got a letter for, and it was a hundred some bucks. You know, it, mm-hmm. we didn't know about it. And after talking to our daughter, you know, it was uh, okay. Well, we got to pay this, right. or you don't graduate. Plain and simple. I mean, if if you are a disadvantaged financially, you get help to go to the the, the school and and for other things. Now, at least you can pay your way. Right. Uh, on, on the on the simple, you know, funds that they have, you know, it, it's just a, a rule of life. Right. You know, and my, you know, my guess, Russ, is by implementing this policy, you're going to they are in the next couple of weeks going to collect. My guess would be 75 to 80 percent of the money that's owed, because most people are going to do exactly what you said. Well, we want our kid to be able to graduate. We didn't know you owed one hundred twenty five dollars. They're going to figure out a way to pay that, including maybe having. I, well, whoever, they're going to pay that, and they're going to collect all that money instead of just writing it off, which means everybody else has to pick up the tab for it. Well, that's exactly right. You know, if, if, if the uh, those fees, you know, they're charged for a reason, and schools aren't rich. Some schools may not make great decisions with the money they have, but basically, <laughs> uh, they're all... Right. None of them are being totally overfunded. Well, these, these are, and these are like activity, I mean, some of these I think are like library fines and things like that, but these are also activity fees, right, for participating in uh, the debate team or extracurricular activities, right? Absolutely, and yeah. they're directly connected to an activity. It's not a, a global philosophical charge. Right. It's a, no. We provided this, you did that with us, now pay us. Yeah. A, they're, they're small fees. You know, it's too bad you got have it, got to have any. But that's just the way it is today. And, yeah, right, don't get your uh, smartphone updated quite as soon as you would uh, <laughs> this time. And, you know, pay what you owe. Yeah, okay, thanks for calling. Again, that, that's it. I mean, right, it's a, and it's the, again, the class warfare warriors are playing this card. Well, this is discriminatory. You know, if it keeps low-income kids from participating in sports and things like that. Well, okay, maybe it's something that means that you go into that in the first place. You say, all right, look, I understand there's an activity fee of $60 or whatever it's going to be. If you want to be in this event or this activity or whatever. And if you know that you can't pay, maybe that's one that you sit there and up front, you work out something with the school district here. This is that we're low income. We don't have the money. You don't just then run up the bills and then say, oh, my gosh, we owe a couple hundred dollars. How how can you expect us to pay? Well, I mean, if you don't pay, that means everybody else has to pay. And how fair is that? Diane in Waukesha. Diane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, I know somebody that this happened to. Um, he wasn't able to graduate because of unpaid fines. I was thinking that if you sign up for an activity and they give you a deadline to pay, if you don't pay up, then you can't participate any longer. Or else, mm-hmm. at the end of each school year, instead of having to wait until graduation, surprise, you owe us a whole bunch of money. Well, I, you know, I mean, thanks. I mean, that's what, see, that if in a perfect world, that's that's what I would do. Um, but I mean, I, that, that's the argument I've always made about, for example, the school lunches that, that you just can't allow people to charge lunch after lunch after lunch and, and not pay because pretty soon you end up with uh, an amount that you, you, the school becomes like a collection agent. I mean, I'm the guy who said, Hey, after two, after, you know, you've given people two or three or four lunches and they haven't paid, that's the point that you just kind of cut them off. Just like if you go to McDonald's, you know, and you order lunch from them and you don't have money to pay for it, they're not going to give you the quarter pounder with cheese. I I think that makes a lot of sense, saying, okay, as a condition of participating in the activity, we need to have the money up front because that then avoids this problem. 
But the other problem is, oh, it's unfair. You know, people, you're going to deprive the kids of the ability to participate. So what you're really doing is you're trading. They get to participate in the activity, but you don't get to walk across the stage, which is, I think, a, a small sort of penalty. But the bottom line is, like I was saying with Russ, my guess is by implementing and enforcing this policy, they'll, they'll collect 80%. They'll, because... Most of it's not, well, we really can't pay. It's that we really, you know, we don't want to pay. We've kind of blown this off. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Rose in Oak Creek. Hi, Rose. You're on WTMJ. Rose. Okay, let's try Joe in Oshkosh. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you bet these are the same people who have heat and utilities all winter long, but then they get shut off in the, in the spring when it's nice out because they can't pay those bills either. Right, because they haven't you tried know? to pay them, right? And then, right, yeah. I think this is a great life life lesson for the kids as well to show them reality of the real world as they're entering the real world. Hey, guys, guess what? You're not responsible. There's consequences in life. Well, right, exactly. And, I think, and see, and I guess this is a – look, I, I understand participating in graduation is a big deal, but this is – it's sort of a minor consequence. I mean, the like the one of our texters was talking about how her her kid had overdue library fines and they were going to withhold transcripts. Well, that that meant she wasn't getting into college until the college got her transcripts. I mean, even if she'd been accepted, you're not getting into fi- college unless they they have those final transcripts. I mean, that's that's really a, a sort of punishment. This is kind of that. Goldilocks sort of thing, you know, it's not too light, it's not too harsh, it's kind of in the middle sort of thing. Oh, that's just right. Again, I just, I don't think the school district is the bad guy here. And I, I understand that there's some people who haven't paid who think, oh, this is un- unfortunate, it's unfair, and you're punishing the kid. Well, no, not really. What, what's happened is these are the rules that are set forth. There is no such thing as a free lunch in most places. And if you want to participate in the activity, Everybody knows that you have to put some money up front. You have to figure out a way to do it or, you know, make arrangements to, again, have somebody pick up the tap. It's not fair to say to the taxpayers of Waukesha, you have to eat twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in these unpaid activities. And if you do, then who's going to pay it? I mean, the, the people who, again, are paying this, those parents... You know, they probably must feel like chumps. Well, you know, somebody else just decided not to pay. And the people who, you know, don't have kids in the school district who support it with their property taxes, they must really feel like chumps. Bottom line is pay up or don't participate. It's 1254. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 110, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, the, the two big stories, of course, today are, are the opening of Ikea. We talked about that story the last hour. And that, and then uh, the other story is the, the, the fire downtown Milwaukee. I mean, just, you know, at Trinity, Trinity Evangelical, um, that's, of course, it, it. I think it's, to say it is an iconic Milwaukee church would be, I, I think, just clearly an understatement. And I know... A lot of people, we went wall-to-wall with coverage of the fire for two hours yesterday afternoon. John McCure and Melissa and everybody did a, did a tremendous job because I think that was one of those situations where people saw the smoke billowing and the question was, you know, what, what's going on here? A lot of people who park in, in that area around 9th Street, North 9th Street, some people who parked in parking garages weren't able to get their cars. Just a, a major story, and, and you, you see the pictures of just the devastation, and it's just absolutely I mean, it's just absolutely horrible. I mean, this was, again, an iconic sort of church. There, There is going to be an investigation. I, in another life, I used to... I used to do the legal side of like some firework, for example, and and it, it's amazing to me how good the fire marshals are, that the different investigators are at determining cause and, and origin of this, and and I, I suspect that they're going to be able to do that relatively quickly. The um, the, the story is that the um, they, they haven't determined what the cause of the blaze yet was, but the, this reports are it appeared to break out as workers on scaffolding were performing maintenance on the building. So I, I suspect that that's probably where they are going to start. Good news, and you know, it's a very small silver lining in a dark cloud, is that there was nobody hurt in this. When you look at, when you look at the scope of that blaze, um, it, you know, bad stuff could have happened. It, it, it does make me think when I see the fact that, well, the fire broke out as workers were working on it, and it could be completely unrelated. But grew back in back in the day in another life when I was in the private practice of law for just a little while. I had this case. True story. There was a warehouse in central Wisconsin 
where they, they stored foodstuffs like boxes of Cheerios and things like that. It was a it was a huge warehouse that um, serviced all sorts of grocery stores throughout central Wisconsin. And what would happen is the, the trucks would come in, they they bring they drop off the boxes of Cheerios and pudding and you know instant pudding and things like that. They drop them off, they put it in this huge warehouse. And then what would happen is different trucks would come to the warehouse and they'd pick up things and then they'd take them around to different grocery stores. That's how it worked. But you had this giant warehouse that was full to the brim of things like cereal boxes, cardboard, you know, cereal boxes and Boston cream pie mix and just it's full of cardboard type of stuff. Well, <clears throat> what happened, it, it, again, it, it's only funny in retrospect. What happened is the roof on this warehouse started leaking and so the owner of the warehouse needed to replace the roof all right so um this is where i come in i represented a company that makes this this roll-on roofing product and and what you do is you you use it for flat roofs i mean it's for industrial things you don't use it at your home but what you do is you roll the roofing thing on and and then it's like this rubberized roofing and then you take a blowtorch and you sort of heat it that's the idea and you, you heat it, and it melts to the roof, and it gives you seal. I mean, it's again, it's the thing you use for an industrial type of application. You don't put it on your homes. Um, but but you're talking rubberized roofing product and blowtorches, which is why the stuff at the time, now this is a long time ago, you had to you had to be a professional roofer to get it. You had to go to, like, the roofing supply stores and stuff. And the, the roles of this had, I want to say, 14 different warnings on this, but essentially, the warning said, all right, blowtorch, you know, high heat, don't try this at home. You know, it's, you know you've got to know what this is for professionals. This is not for, you know, average people use this. It's for professional roofers. Blowtorch, you know, you've got to know what you're doing. And so that, that's it. There's warning label after warning label. But it essentially comes down to blowtorch, roof, melting stuff. You got to be really, really careful. Use professional roofers. Honest to God. Okay, I swear, this is, this is what happened. So the day comes that they're going to do the roof. In order, I think, to save a few bucks, the owner of the building, instead of hiring like a professional roofing company, honest to God, he goes down to like the local Handy Andy and finds Larry, Moe, and Shemp, you know, like day workers, and says, here, come on out, put put the roof on. (laughs) And so you take Larry, Moe, and Shemp, you give them the rolled-on rubber roofing product. You send them up on the roof with blowtorches. And, now, of course, this is a building that I mentioned it is packed to the brim with cardboard boxes, like Cheerios boxes, up to the top. So Larry, Moe, and Curly are up on the roof with blowtorches. <laughs> Within 30 minutes, the entire thing was on fire. I mean, it was just, it was this spectacular blaze because, you know, they're <sighs> blowtorches, cardboard boxes, Rubberized root, the whole thing is on fire, and it's, it ends up burning. It's a complete loss, and, and you're talking about, I don't remember, but well over a million dollars, maybe maybe more than that, well over a million dollars in damages. So what happens is, of course, the owner of the warehouse you know, files a claim with their insurance company saying, you know, we want to be reimbursed for this. There was a fire. The insurance company pays off, and then what happens is they start suing everybody they can think of to try to get some money back. My client, again, was the one that made the roll-on roofing product, and they were being sued saying, the warning labels were not sufficient to tell people that, okay, <laughs> blowtorch, roof, be careful, don't try this at home. And, and ultimately, you know, we, the, the case worked out. But it's, you know, whenever I think of these things, you see, okay, and again, I don't know if the workers had anything to do with this fire there yesterday or not, but I'm thinking, okay, workers in an area, all of a sudden a fire breaks out, can't help but think about, again, Mo Larry and Shemp, up on the roof with blowtorches, and 30 minutes later, the whole thing is on fire. Hmm. Go figure. When we come back, normally, normally when a TV network hits on something, they have a success, they ride the success as far as they can, and other networks jump on the same horse. Why is that not happening with one very popular show? We'll discuss. Stick around. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Milwaukee Fire Chief is going to be holding a press conference in about 10 minutes to talk about the, the fire yesterday at Trinity Evangelical. I don't know if they're going to have any updates, if they're going to have an idea on 
cause and origin, but we're going to carry at least a portion of that press conference once it kicks off again in about 10 minutes. One of the things about television is that once somebody finds an idea that works, everybody copies it. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, remember when the not the current edition, but when American Idol first debuted on Fox uh, 20 years ago, you, you had, you know, that's just a, a, I mean, American Idol was just kind of a revisit, visitation of, I don't know, the old Ted Mack amateur hour or whatever. But American Idol came on and you had or the contestants, people were competing. It was a huge hit. So what happened then? Every other network tried to develop its own version of American Idol because they thought, okay, people want to see this. So, I mean, it led to NBC's The Voice. It led to all this other stuff. People want to see that type of stuff. And the other networks start copycatting. You um, you had CBS years and years ago that came up with the idea of Survivor, which was really the kind of you know, one of the starts of so-called reality TV. And then everybody else wanted to have their own sort of reality TV shows. There's a lot of copycatting stuff that, that goes on. You know, you'll have something where some network will hit big with a sitcom and then everybody comes out with sitcoms or it, it just somebody hits big with a, a law with a procedural, you know, a lawyer procedure, or a hospital procedural. And then all the stations do that. I mean, it, it's this copycat thing. It's the idea being once someone finds a formula, gee, that means the public wants something. So let's let's adopt that. And it's just it's always the way it's been. And then ultimately what happens is that craze kind of ends and then, you know, something else is the next best thing. ABC, which has historically, or at least over the last several years, been struggling in the ratings, hit ratings gold this year when it brought back the Roseanne Bar Show. Ro- Roseanne, right? Um, I think it shocked a lot of people. Roseanne debuted to a huge audience, and even though the numbers have gone down slightly, it's still um, still very big. I think they're still drawing about... Um, you know, 16 million. It, it debuted with 27 million. And one of the things about the Roseanne show that made it unique was a number of the characters, including the Roseanne character, were supporters of Donald Trump. And, and this was a show where instead of Trump and the Trump administration being the, the butt of all the jokes, this was one where you had at least a lot of the characters who were defending the Trump administration and making fun of Hillary Clinton. Oh, my gosh, how can you make fun of Hillary Clinton? It was something completely and totally foreign to left-wing Hollywood, but it worked. And then there was some analysis talking about how this was, in some respects, it was part of this strategy that some of the suits at ABC had developed, recognizing that, well, you've got these, these liberal bubbles on the East Coast and the West Coast. But then you've got this flyover country where a lot of America is that doesn't necessarily see things in the same way that they see them in the cocktail parties in New York City or, you know, at the uh, at the fancy dinners in the Hollywood Hills. So the idea was let's give people something different. And the truth is it has worked. Like I say, I mean, Roseanne didn't continue to do 27 million, but they're still they're They're beating their competition. They're doing really, really well. And they've been renewed for another 13-episode um, season. I think this year, they've just aired the 8th of 10. But they're bringing them back for 13 um, episodes. But the show is changing. Story in today's Washington Post and on Fox News, ABC says it's going to dial back the political humor from pro-Trump Roseanne next year. Of course, this is one of, again, the few shows on TV that features a pro-Trump character but uh, they're, they're doing it. ABC Entertainment president says that they're putting the kibosh on Roseanne remaining political in the second season, apparently ditching the strategy the network touted only two months ago. They say the show is going to lean away from politics next season. In other words, the stuff that was working, the stuff that was appealing to a lot of people, we are going to change that. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, to me, makes absolutely no sense. Again, normally what you would see is when a show has this type of success, it would breed more shows. Executives saying, all right, I understand this isn't the group think that we engage in, but you know what? 
This is something that's working. It is finding an audience. But instead of breeding more shows like this, although, let me say, Fox is bringing back, Fox is, is bringing back uh, Last Man Standing, the show that features Tim Allen as a, as a conservative. Um, they're bringing it back. ABC, of course, bailed on that. But now they're depoliticizing Roseanne, 414-799-1620. I mean, you can do whatever show you want. But again, I think what you're seeing happen here, I don't think this is necessarily a business decision. I think this is much a, gee, we just don't really like that. And we don't like the fact that the critics in the Washington Post and the New York Times turn up our nose at this particular show. So we have to change, even if we're giving the public what they want. 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 125. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Hey, my thoughts are uh, it's just against the uh, media is uh, for the political left, and uh, they don't want to do anything for the right. My comment, uh, aside from that, is why are the Tonight Show still uh, being aired as uh, oh, right. All the whether it's whether it's Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or Colbert, all those type of things. Right. It's it's merciless Trump bashing, Trump bashing, Trump bashing, because that appeals to that certain niche. Here you have a conservative, a show that at least has some characters that purport to be conservative. And we've got to change the focus on that because, well, I don't know, somebody, you know, at, at one of those nice, holly, swanky Hollywood parties might be offended or they don't like bad reviews or whatever. Well, my thought is uh, on the on the night shows, you know, it used to be ninety uh, percent comedy and ten percent political. Now it's switched around to right, you know, ninety percent political and ten percent, and it's like I don't watch them anymore. Right, it's that nice Well, I mean that. See, that was the thing. ABC strategy. Somebody at ABC said, "Look, we're we're missing the heartland. You know, we're missing." You know, the, the millions and millions of people who watch TV that are, you know, in, in middle America, the people who actually voted for Trump, maybe we can invent, you know, let, let's, let's put out the show. Let's have these characters that are there. And you know what? It's been successful, but they're bailing on it. They are changing the focus of it. You never in TV change the focus of a winner unless, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just too PC for Disney. Todd in Greenfield. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Todd. I think it's just kind of clear that uh, Hollywood's more concerned with keeping the blue wave going versus ratings. And they made that decision, and even if it backfires on them, they yeah. just don't want to admit that America is more conservative than liberal. Well, well right, and, and they just don't want to go, they, they don't want to deal outside of the bubble with all this stuff. Because, again, it's just, it is unheard of to take a winning television show that's come up with something that's different than you have on TV in a different attitude and then simply change it while it's still a winner. There's, there's some, thanks sure. to call. I mean, no, it, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And a lot of people are looking at this saying, oh, what, what is going on here? Well, I think what's going on here is, again, you've got midterm elections that are coming up, and heaven forbid you could have one TV show that might actually not mock conservatives. Oh, that would be the worst thing in the world that we could have. It's 140, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Tell you what, the, the fire chief is still going on with his press conference. He, he said that they estimate that the damage to the, the church was, was over $600,000. Let's just dip back in for a moment. Here if he talks about cause and origin. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Jonah Burkowski, and I work um, with uh, the South Wisconsin District, representing uh, 207 Lutheran churches uh, of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod on the southern half of the state of Wisconsin. Um, and it is, it is an absolute loss um, for uh, Trinity Lutheran Church and the congregation that gathers here. But at the same time, the building is uh, only one piece of the ministry puzzle. Uh, the people who gather on Word and Sacrament, um, that is where the church is found, the people. And so uh, they are committed to restoring or rebuilding um, and maintaining their presence here on this corner uh, at Trinity Lutheran. It may look marginally or substantially different depending on um, how everything works out uh, in terms of our insurance and building engineers and, and all of the people who are going to come together to help make uh, a decision. But um, nonetheless, uh, the building is standing and uh, behind us because it is uh, a testament uh, both to 
to those who built the building 140 something odd years ago, but more so to the fire department that came in um, and were able to address uh, the fire really early to prevent uh, fire from getting you know, behind the brick or into the brick and causing the walls to collapse. And so we're certainly grateful, thankful for uh, the fire department, for the police department in serving the community around. Uh, but uh, more importantly, uh, the congregation is very thankful um, for, uh, for the fact that they will be able to they will, they will continue to gather here uh, in the future. In the meantime, um, our goal is to find a temporary location for them and then to find them a little bit more permanent temporary location and then uh, eventually return them to the corner here uh, in Milwaukee. And so uh, it is with great uh, hope and anticipation of that day, but also with thanksgiving and praise for uh, the men and women of our of our public service with the fire department who were here uh, yesterday. I was here for a long time and I watched them work and uh, I wouldn't want to climb the ladders. I'm a bit of a, a wimp when it comes to that. And so when I saw them doing it in order to um, uh, to save uh, a landmark, uh, but a church, uh, we certainly were grateful. And so thank you. Thank you. And uh, any questions? Take a few questions. Chief, the Journal Central is reporting that a heating tool on the scaffold is the likely cause. You know what? We know that there were roofers here, and, and we know they had the equipment. You know, we, we know it started uh, in the roof area, so but we haven't put it together, so we can't say that, yes, that was the cause. It could be. I'm not sure who the company that was working on it. Uh, uh, it that, that certainly might be. Uh, but but I don't know. I, I, I didn't look uh, that far into it. Chief, are you investigating arson regarding this? Do you look into no. it? Is that normal? Well, yes, it always is normal, but, uh, uh, you know, the way the fire presented itself, the time of day and every day, uh, you know, we always rule that out first. Chief, any knowledge if the contractor has received all necessary permits for the project? You know, I would assume so, but I have no knowledge. You know, this is a pretty high-profile building, and when you do work, on historic structures, there's uh, obviously there's a whole process you have to go through. So, uh, you know that would be, again, my assumption, but I do not know. Any so, uh, you know what? I don't know right now. That that you got to remember that sits with the police department as well as our investigators. So it just depends on how long it takes them to talk to. Everybody that That's Milwaukee Police uh, Fire Chief uh, Mark Rolfing. Oh, the, he did not say this, but the reporters were getting into this. The Journal Sentinel is is reporting in JS Online, the, quoting the Deputy Fire Chief um, as saying that the what they think happened is that it was started by heating tools that had been placed on adjacent scaffolding and ignited the roof. Um, so it it actually that story I was telling at the start of the hour about how in another life I handled this case where you had guys that were up on the roof and they had blow torches and they started the building. The, the theory is heating tools on an adjacent scaffold that apparently I would assume overheated and then set the roof on fire. And then once that happens, it's just uh, you have this this damage. At least that's the theory that they are leaning towards now. According to the Journal Sentinel, the deputy fire chief estimates the damage at the structure at being $13 million, which was a higher number than the fire chief was giving, and an additional $4 million in damage to the contents. Um, I guess the, the question is, what happens now? Um, apparently, a condemnation case was filed at, with the city suggesting and it, that, that the building might have to be raised. Uh, the deputy fire chief said that at this point in time, their concern is that the building is not structurally sound, which would be, if you looked at what happened with that, that fire and the extent of it, you could certainly see that. And if the building's not structurally sound, um, you really have no choice other than just kind of to tear it down and start over again. I don't know that they've made a final decision on that, but if you look at the scope of the damage, that would not be a surprise. So um, at least the working theory that they have, this was not an, an arson. This wasn't an intentionally set fire. What happens is you had workers. Their theory is that they had um, equipment that was put on a scaffold and um, overheated they had heating tools placed on an adjacent scaffold. It ignite overheated, ignited the roof, and then you had the loss. And again, I don't claim to be an expert on cause and origin, but I, I 
I've handled some fire cases in my life, and that does seem to make a, a lot of sense. That's the theory they're working with now, at least. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back uh, to a couple things I want to do before we turn it over to Brewers Baseball in about 15 minutes. It's 146. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 150, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Brewers Baseball in about 15 minutes. As I was saying at the start of the show, I'm off for the next couple of days. I've got a couple of personal matters I have to attend to, and we'll be back Monday, um, rain or shine. I, I think one of the interesting developments to watch over the course of the next couple of days is what happens with this meeting that has is scheduled for June 12th in Singapore between North Korea, South Korea, and the United States. Um, it is a summit. And I, as, I th- as I said earlier, I think I think President Trump, and I understand some people just don't want to do this, but I think if this happens, President Trump deserves a lot of credit for pulling this off. It's something that you know none of his predecessors has been able to do, and I, I think you know they were working towards an accommodation. Now, who knows? Because what's happening is the dictator in North Korea is apparently. You know, now saying that they're they're not sure if they're going to attend or not, and President Trump is saying, "Well, we'll, we'll have to see if it's still happening." Um, there are thoughts that North Korea is trying to, I don't know, leverage its agreement to appear at the summit, um, saying, "Well, we're not going to show up if the U.S. insists on denuclearization." Well, um, well, okay, that's that that that's fine. If they end up pulling out, that that's great. My advice to President Trump, to the extent he would ask, would be, you know, you 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 cannot back down on this type of stuff just to get this guy to the table. Now, if if a lot of the credit that was going to North Korea was, I think, for the fact that they were they were willing to have these conversations, and I think that's due in part to pressure from China and things like that. But the, the U.S cannot back down and i don't think president trump will be backing down i don't think that i mean obviously one of the prerequisites of the meeting has to be that you know if you want economic sanctions to be lifted north korea has to agree to you know end its efforts at nuclearization they have to agree to allow whatever checks they need and in exchange for that Maybe you can start talking about, you know, lifting some of the economic sanctions on that country. But that's got to be the, the deal. And you cannot allow North Korea to dictate the terms. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who would have been applauding a summit if it was Barack Obama who was saying or now saying, see, 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 we told you you couldn't trust North Korea. And that might very well be the case. But, I mean, I continue to believe President Trump gets credit for bringing at least bringing it to a point where you have something scheduled for June 12th. If North Korea decides not to show up and the thing has to be canceled, well, that is unfortunate. That's unfortunate. That's too bad. The real loser is going to be North Korea in that particular case. But I guess stay tuned. My guess is at the end of the day, North Korea does show, but I guess it's a volatile situation. We'll be back in just a minute. It's 153. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Bruce Brewers baseball coming up in less than 10 minutes. You know, what a great quarter, first quarter of the season. Right now, the Brewers 25 and 18. At that pace, if they're able to keep it up, they probably make the playoffs. How cool would that be? And they've done it when some people aren't hitting. They've done it with a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, one of the big issues that they face moving forward is what do you do with Ryan Braun? Ryan Braun makes $21 million, $20 million this year. That is 21% of their payroll. The next highest paid player is Lorenzo Cain, who makes $13 million, and then it drops off dramatically. And Braun is just struggling. I mean, for a team like the Brewers, it's amazing that given how poorly Braun is playing right now, that they, they have the record that they do. The question's going to be, can you sustain this? Um, in May, so far in May, he's batting 121, no home runs. He's had a couple like key hits, you know, which you give the guy credit for, and he's had a lengthy career, but he's in and out of the lineup all the time. He's got these minor aches and pains and injuries that are reducing him in some cases to even if he plays, it's only in a pinch hit sort of role. I mean, this is one of the big issues moving forward. I think that the Brewers are going to have to grapple with is you've got your highest paid player who, for whatever reason, because of age or injury or whatever, at the moment is is not performing. I think Braun has done, in many respects, a lot of the stuff that's been asked for him. He he's now plays partly at first base, and I, I think he's done a pretty good job on the games that he's played at first base. But for a team like the Brewers, in a small market with a, 
limited payroll, and I'm not going to say $100 million isn't a ton of money, but um, it's not like the Brewers can afford to invest huge sums of money in players that don't produce. The question becomes, you know, what do you do with the Ryan Braun situation if he can't get healthy and can't get back to the performance that generated that type of contract? It also doesn't get to be an easier choice because he makes $20 million this year. Next year, he's guaranteed $19 million. 2020, he's guaranteed $17 million. And then finally, in 2021, he's guaranteed $15 million, but there's a buyout. By paying him $4 million, the Brewers can get out from under the contract. Um, that's going to be, I think, one of the big issues that I'm sure that they're grappling with right now. You've got good ball players. You're winning games. The team is fun to watch. I think they are certainly living up to expectations, maybe outperforming expectations. They're a fun team to watch. They're a fun team to listen to. But that, that undercurrent is, you know, what do you do when your star player isn't performing like you need the star player to perform? Hopefully he'll be able to turn it all around, and it'll be the Ryan Braun of a couple of years ago that everybody knows and loves. But that's one of the big challenges. You can hear today's game coming up in just a couple minutes. Like I say, I am off on Thursday and Friday. I'm back 12 noon on Monday when we do this all again. Enjoy the weather. It's going to be a nice stretch of weather for the next couple of days. I will talk to you Monday. It's 158. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.